Hi, I'm Sam. I'm Callum. And one of us is bored. This week, we're discussing Who Framed Roger Rabbit. This is the tale of an up-and-coming movie star named Roger Rabbit and a down-and-out private detective Stay named Eddie Valiant. Ooga booga! Every moment they were together ah! was a new adventure in trouble. Hi, me, Eddie! Please! It's a motion picture about friendship. Please, Eddie! Don't tell me I'm making a big mistake! Love. Compassion. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I yanked your ears. All the time you yanked my ears? Murder. Marvin Acme. A rabbit cacked him last night. Remember, you never saw me. Sex. I'd do anything for my husband, Mr. Valiant. Anything. And <laughs> so, Who Framed Roger Rabbit week. Overall, a sort of summary of the plot. Roger Rabbit's set in a 1947 version of Hollywood. 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 <laughs> set, in, set in the Scottish Parliament. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> set in a 1947 version of Hollywood, where the cartoon characters commonly referred to as toons and people coexist. Uh, the film follows Eddie Valiant, who's a private investigator who must exonerate Roger Rabbit, a toon who has been accused of murdering a wealthy businessman. Um, I think just before we go, go into the film, I'll just cover a little bit of history about the film it's, itself. So just very, very briefly, Disney bought the rights to the film's story just over seven years before it was actually released. The film was based on a book by Gary K. Wolf, uh, who wrote the novel Who Censored Roger Rabbit. Uh, the project went through a few different revamps before release. Um, the original budget for it was about $50 million, which Disney felt was too expensive. Uh, and when the, f- the film was greenlit, it was actually reduced to a $30 million budget, although ironically, it did end up being around $50 million to make. Um, produced by Steven Spielberg, Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy. Steven Spielberg convinced Warner Brothers uh, and a whole bunch of other production companies to lend their characters to appear in the film. Uh, Although there were little stipulations as to how these characters were portrayed, which I think we'll go into a little bit later when we talk about the film itself. Um, Although one of the key rules, as I understand it, was that Disney and Warner Brothers characters had to have roughly the same screen time, which is why you'll have Donald Duck and Daffy Duck and Porky Pig and Tinkerbell. Uh, on at the same time as opposed to having their own little segments and Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny as well again both at the same time Uh, so it was kind of a Disney Warner Brothers rule to roughly have that go and be the case that's very 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 brief overview Um, what is your impression of this what's your history of this had you seen this before Um, or is this something that was kind of brand new to you or what's your what's your story here First off, that was that was very interesting. So thank you because I hadn't, <laughs> I usually do research. I don't know, I just hadn't this time. Um, cause I was just very into it. I okay, well that kind of hints. I, I I like it a lot, and I I watched it as a kid. I, obviously, I was not around when it was released, and neither were you, which is surprising because you're as old as dust. I am as old as dust. Like time, it's I'm as old as time itself, and yet <laughs> yeah. this film was made before I was born. This is actually 1988. That's free BC. That's free before Callum. So it's quite, <laughs> quite an old film, but yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I watched it on. A, we had it on video, I think. Oh, did you actually own it? Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, did you not? Wait, no. Okay, well, how did you see it for the first time? Was this? I my only experience with it um, has been like when it was like aired on Channel Five or something occasionally. Oh, really? And like the this watching it for this is the first time that I've ever seen it the whole thing from start to finish. Oh, wow. Like I'd, I'd only ever seen bits of it before, which is partially why I'd wanted to watch it, just because for me it's kind of always been one of those curiosities that I've been aware of, but I've never properly looked into that much. And I thought that this would just be a good opportunity to, to do that. <laughs> do you know what though? Like as someone who's watched it as a kid, it's aged so well. Well, I think it has. I no, for real, right? I was um I was sat there just kind of gasping by myself at like the animation and certain elements of it, like when um you've got Eddie Valiant driving in the, the cartoon taxi and stuff like that. Just it looks so good for a film of this age. It does, and it's causely. The, w- the way they made it. problem with computer animated stuff, I feel, is that time goes on and they look very old and strange, uncanny mm-hmm. valley-ish. Whereas in this one, it's like 2D old characters, but also set in 1942. So it's like, they're meant to be old characters anyway. Yeah. So you didn't have to like try and shove in like, I don't know who was prominent in the 80s, like Beauty and the Beast or whatever, you know? Or yeah. Little Mermaid. I probably yeah. changed for that wrong, but you know, you know what I mean. I think there were a couple of characters that were included that actually hadn't been created at the time. um, So they were created sort of like after the 1940s and they were included in this anyway. I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh yeah, I know that, but like... um, Yeah, but it's like you get away with it, you know? Yeah, like no one one really cares. It's it's more about the... Because I suppose if you really had to like come up with a reason for that you could argue that because the tunes in this film are are essentially sentient beings themselves you could argue that they did exist prior to when they were created as far as as far as we are aware it's just that yeah, they're they within their own universe yet. yeah like pretty much you could you could make that argument if yeah. you were so inclined but see the film though in general like it was really really good but see the parts that disturbed me as a kid they still disturb me as an adult there's so many jokes that flew over my head as a child obviously but god this film's filthy like there's so many like <laughs> like really like people okay so i listened to a podcast actually where people talked about this film mm-hmm. and they're like oh it's very clearly for families it's very and i'm like dude are you kidding me some of the stuff in there was terrifying still yeah, the shoe getting murdered. Dude, that, oh my god, that <laughs> bothers me so much. I actually wrote my notes in um, capital letters. The shoe being murdered is so fucking disturbing. <laughs> it upset me as a child, it's upset me now. Because <laughs> all he does is he's just like, oh, and then he picks him up and like he doesn't want to die. And then you can kind of oh. see the life sucking out of him. And it's just like, oh. That was voiced by um, Bart Simpson, you know. It was, yeah. Um, that's a fun, a fun, fun fact. fact. Bart Simpson's murdered. Yeah, as a shoe. As a shoe. But, oh, it really—it's like a little puppy getting put down. It really upsets me. I know it's a really cute little shoe. It's just it's yeah, just, it's, it's just weird, like, isn't it? That yeah, well, just shows you how powerful the animation was because like we feel sorry for a shoe. Yeah, I know. Like, well, it had big eyes, and it was just it's... like. <laughs> <laughs> like if it if it had been put back in the box it wouldn't have been murdered but like it's a shame Aww. but um i think it's the only with the exception of like the weasel gang it's the only cartoon that dies in this isn't it i think i'm pretty sure no is that not right doom dies doom's a cartoon well yeah but yeah okay shall well. we go through the plot 
yeah just right spoiled. <laughs> yeah i know we've just kind of we've kind of just jumped all over the place a bit well, well, so well, well first off first off what what was your impressions of it like i oh right okay sorry yeah and we're all over the place but i think I that's know, kind of like, good <laughs> like it's really good because i didn't expect to like it as much as i did i have to say there's part of me that kind of went into it thinking well my my initial fear was that like the animation and stuff would look a bit dated to but it really doesn't so like that no. fear, well, that it fear does, was but in a good way yeah like it does look dated but like not in a way that's aged it horribly um yeah. um what was what was it we talked about there not in the same way that like toy stories aged like toy stories a newer film and yet that looks awful well we, we talked about it in a way that's going to spoil our future podcast yeah let's not do that <laughs> let's not go into that too much but um i i really like it overall um i think there were quite a lot of like adult jokes in it um well, it's I made did. by the team that made Batch of the Future. It's essentially like... I saw that. Like, yeah, the, it's the Robert same director. Zemeckis. Yeah, yeah. So... And Al- Alan Silvestri did the soundtrack as well, and he did the Batch of the Future soundtrack. Yeah, so that's like Love that's it. very much your... We'll have to do the Back to the Future films at some point. Oh, God, um, yes. Yeah, because that's your, that's your babies, so we'll need to... Yeah, it's funny, yeah. It's funny how you kind of skipped that one. Yeah. Yes. You got to it. Very late. <laughs> very late um uh, anniversary is a good time oh well it was really fun seeing those back to back in the cinema but mm-hmm. um because i think like not to get like sidetracked on back to the future but like i feel like the third one's kind of like the one that lots of people haven't seen i feel like a lot of people have seen the first two and like the third ones maybe but it was fun seeing all three of them back to back and like that was my first experience with two of them so but i feel like zemeckis's films are very cinema-y and even this Mm. one i kind of wish like they'd do a rerun like i would 100 percent go and see it in the cinema i think this would have been fun to see in the cinema at the time i was reading that they did a test screening for this um i don't have notes for this so i can't tell you I'm going to butcher this fun fact a little bit, but they they mostly test screened it with, I think it was 18 and 19 year olds and most of them walked out during it because they thought it was rubbish. But, but the, the, the guy, I don't know if it was the producer or the director, but one of them was so sure of it anyway that they pushed ahead with it. So, I mean, good for him, good for him, I guess, but, and good for the company for good for the um, production company rather for backing them. Honestly, yeah, yeah, like I feel like people go by test screenings too much because it's like, like you can pick an asshole test screen. It's usually like film, film. (laughs) Well, there (laughs) is that. Yeah. (laughs) We go for these. So like, oh well, I know better than everyone else. I'm gonna see it. Yeah, and they're gonna be overly, overly critical and overly pedantic. And eighteen-year-olds are assholes. Very much agreed. Very much agreed. Um, but yeah, anyway, like that was a that was a long rambly way of answering your question as to how I felt about it. Yes, I do like it. And it, it's like it's 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 rude in places and it's like it's kind of childish with how rude it is at points. Um, but I did properly laugh at certain elements, like yes. <laughs> the the booby trap did actually. Yes, make me I laugh. wrote that down. Like, I, <laughs> I knew love you'd that love joke that. so much. That's <laughs> such a funny joke. Um it's just so clever well it's not it's which is the funny thing like it's not clever at all it's so childish but like it's the fact that they went ahead and did it anyway like yes i'm, I'm all here for it yeah <laughs> um but yeah right shall we just um let's stop kind of beating around the bush and just kind of get to it so the way it starts is 
The intro is kind of a fake out. You've got like a baby Herman cartoon, which is kind of paying homage to the cartoons of the 1920s and 30s. Like, how did you feel about that as, as a way of starting the whole thing? I thought it was really cool because I thought it was, a, you know, how Pixar show a short film before it? Yes. I thought it was one of those. And then they played me and I'm like, ooh, well done. Yeah, <laughs> well done. I love, I love the, um, I, well, I love the fact that baby Herman's actually foul-mouthed and 50. Yeah. But but I also really like that um, the issue of the with with the whole take was that Roger couldn't was it he couldn't make stars appear couldn't make like stars he, yeah like he could make birds and other stuff and it was like and the that joke comes of, back as well yeah yeah it was the equivalent of fluffing your lines but it was fluffing your whatever and he was just like yeah. n- not able to do that what do you make of um, him as a character incidentally it's really funny because I feel like he should be annoying. But for some reason, he's very likable. Oh, see, I'm on the opposite side of that. Are I feel you? Like, no, I feel I, like I feel like, I feel like he should be likable, but I find him really annoying. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Well, I think he's meant. I think he's. I think he's meant to be annoying to play off the Bob Hopkins. Oh, uh, totally. Eddie Valiant. Like he's meant to be annoying, but I found him likable. I think, like he was in um, Disney parts for a while, and he had a ride. So kids must have liked him. You know, he's. Oh, a, I didn't know that. Did you not? Oh, well, no. see, when I went back, back when I was 15, so it was a while now, um, they had um, the <laughs> Toontown ride. I think it's gone now. But, and they had him in the mm. parks for a while. Like, he's still a well-loved character, and I think they did make further shorts with him, even though, like, he wasn't really a... I don't think he was a character before this, was he? I mean, he was in the books, but... Yeah, I mean, there's there was, um, there was two sequel novels written... And I think they uh-huh. were planning on making additional films, but I don't think they did in the no, end. No, but see, when Actually, I was a kid, I thought I thought he was a character, and they just picked him to be the main character in this film. Like it could have mm. been it could have been Daffy Duck, you know what I mean? Kind of like Space Jam, could have been anyone. I think it's quite good. Well, I yeah, I can see that, and I, I think the way they stylized it is the way they've set it up is that he is within the universe. He is a, a big star or at least a credible star because he's credited as, I mean, it's the baby Herman cartoon, but he's credited as featuring or whatever. I don't think he, I think he's a, like kind of like Eddie. He's like fallen down and is like, they're very similar and they both kind of. Yeah. But I, I quite like that. It was someone that the, the audience as a whole probably wouldn't know as opposed to, you know, Oh look, it's Mickey Mouse on down times or whatever. Like it's, it's See nice the guy who it's... plays him. Mm. <laughs> maybe take a brief break to look at this but the guy who plays him looks eerily like him in the face oh god <laughs> i'll need to charles flesher Fleischer? i'll need to look into that one of the other things i was reading about the production for this was um the way that they got some of the scenes filmed was the sometimes it was like uh robots doing stuff and sometimes it was like kind of almost marionettes and and puppets mm-hmm. and things but there was also I guess it was him. There was someone dressed up in a rubber Roger Rabbit costume oh, on the set. And uh, someone, I can't remember what film it was that they, they walked in from, but there was someone at the same studio working on a much sort of more higher budget, highbrow film. And they walked in thinking that this thing was going to be an absolute disgrace because they knew it was meant to be an animated film. And then they saw this guy in like a rubber, <laughs> rubber, <laughs> rubber rabbit suit just wandering around the set. And they're like, what is this? <laughs> I'm so glad I'm on the other film. It made the Bob Hodskins unwell for a while. Made mm. him hallucinate afterwards. Oh god. I don't know if that's like a film myth. But that's what I've heard. I read it like back when I was a kid and used to read like filmmaking books. Mm. It's always mentioned that 
I don't know. Because he never... had to imagine someone being there. He, he What's made that him ill. Thing they say about like never let the truth get in the way of a good story. It's canon. We've decided. So that is yeah, what yeah, happened. Yeah. <laughs> Draw <him> mad. <laughs> it did. <laughs> it's a fact. <laughs> God, he does look like him. <laughs> I can totally see that. Holy shit. I'm gonna put I'm gonna make a clip of that and I'm gonna hundred percent show the picture. Yes. Apparently oh it was him that dressed in the Roger Rabbit costume. Yeah, yeah, that makes <laughs> that makes total sense. No wonder Bob Hopkins got gone well. God, that would give you Imagine some Imagine seeing that PTSD flashbacks, wouldn't it? You'd never escape you. Um <laughs> Apparently there's a show or a film or something called Prop Culture, and he appeared as himself in it, and it was the Who Fridge Roger Rabbit episode. I was very oh, slurry yeah. there. I promise I'm not on anything. <laughs> um, probably should have watched that before doing this, but oh well, we're not we're not perfect. We don't even... claim to be a factual podcast. No, we're just like it's. This is very. This is very much opinion based and very much kind of. Um, you get what you're getting. Like we're the we're we're the budget version of some of like the budget versions of film critics that you see on YouTube. We're like we're well, we're, no, we're, we're we're meant to be like two pals talking about films. Which yeah, is what we are, and you can just kind of join in if you want. We can't hear you, but you can pretend we can. Yeah, yeah. Or you can complain to Callum on Instagram. Or yeah, you can complain to me on Instagram if you can find me. Um, I'm more than happy to take feedback or comments. Like you never know. Like, and if you have nice things to say, I'm also on Instagram. I might might read you on our next podcast. Might <laughs> <laughs> rip you a new one. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. If you can find me, that is, because you can't find me just now. No, you can't, unless you're a stalker. Or unless you actually know me, in which case, just please be kind. <laughs> please. <laughs> um, anyway, back to the film. <laughs> We've gone so Bob, Bob Hobskin's... I keep saying his name very wrong. I'm sorry, Bob. Um, plays the main character, but many people were considered for his role, including Harrison Ford. I f- which am I right I in thinking? Think, yeah. yeah. Was Eddie Murphy not one of the people as well that was considered for it? Reportedly turned down the role. Yeah. Because um, he didn't understand the concept of cartoons and humans coexisting. You're an actor. You don't have to understand it. And yeah. Bill Murray was considered... Um, Oh, I think Bill Murray would have been good, but I really like Bob Hoskins in this. Oh, I have to yeah, say. the guy who got it's bang on. Yeah, I think he's meant I, to be a nineteen forties PI forever. Yeah, I think so. But I, I love that he really. See, there's nothing worse than when someone does a role and they kind of half-ass it. But like, he was really going for it. Like when all the wacky stuffs happening to him, he's doing like the over-the-top cartoony expressions that like. What was the name? Like Lena Hyena running at him with her mm-hmm. like outstretched arms. Like he's doing the big whoa kind of like look on his face. Like he's really going for it. And I thought, you know oh, what? Yeah. Good for you. Like you're. Um... And you can believe he's a depressed alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The whole thing's really, really believable. Yeah. I think. Okay. We've totally lost the plot again. <laughs> but it's right. good. So, um, yeah. So he's, uh, so... he's an alcoholic. <laughs> He is an alcoholic, um, and he's tasked with solving the murder of uh, Marvin Acme, uh, for whom Roger is framed. Uh, and the film kind of just follows the story of trying to trying to to get to the bottom of this. Um, it's it's it starts off with, um, I mean, Eddie Valiant's deep dark secret is that his his um, was it his brother or his former his partner? Yeah, was killed. 
by a falling piano, which a tune dropped on his head. Um, so he's got this. <laughs> Played this, very like, straight. Yeah, but very ridiculous. It is. It's like it's very. Like, it's it's funny to say, but like it's played deadly seriously in the yeah. thing itself, which is really funny itself. Um, and he ends up um having to try to represent Roger Rabbit, who he kind of dislikes. Well, doesn't kind of dislike. He does dislike him, um, and for good reason, in my opinion. Sam would disagree, but I think it's all valid. I would. We'll see. Well, it's, <laughs> it's in the context of the film. To be fair. They're in a dangerous situation, mm-hmm. and um, he's kind of arsing it up. Yeah. <laughs> the rabbit's been a pest. Uh, he is, but he's yeah. a toon. Yeah, he's acting like a toon should act. See if he was like, see if he didn't act like that, there wouldn't be anything to play off, and it wouldn't be funny anymore. Like you know, if he if he wasn't annoying in your view, he wouldn't be a good yeah. character. No, no. It like to be fair, like I totally agree with that. I think that's um, pretty pretty accurate. Um, so it just involves uh, Eddie Valiant going around a bunch of locations trying to find evidence and it turns into this kind of weird almost uh, I guess it's kind of like a film noir it's kind of like it a whodunit like a, it's definitely like, a film noir parody for sure yeah like a whodunit kind of thing and you're kind of there's a few different curveballs thrown at you and you, you're trying yeah. to work out if um, Roger Rabbit's wife uh, Jessica Rabbit is actually like a a good euro baddie throughout. Yeah, um, yeah. So she, um, she plays, <laughs> she plays a game with someone, and it's like kind of like cheating. It's weird, um, and that upsets Roger Rabbit. Can <laughs> he, he was actually was she not like she was actually playing patty cake, which yeah. is like old time old timey words for cheating on people as well. So like oh, it's is a pun. It? I did not yeah. that reference. Like, zoom. So patty cake is a game, but it's also like you're playing patty cake when you're cheating on someone. So I like it's a. That. It's oh, that, a makes pun. That, that makes that part makes so much sense. I, that pun was beyond me. There's, I was like, all right, it's a weird one. It could have been any hand game. But okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so he ends up going to see, uh, what does he do? Basic, basically, there's just there, there's a there's a whole bunch of, I mean, I'm gonna I'm this makes it sound really trivial, but it's a, it's a lot more it's a lot more interesting than I'm about to make it sound. But basically, it ends up kind of providing a lot of opportunities for cartoon characters from different brands and franchises to turn up. So the first kind of big example of that is the club scene where you've got you've got Donald Duck and Daffy Duck on stage both playing piano together. Um, and then you've got Betty Boop making an appearance. Um, and that was one of the final appearances by her voice actor from the oh, 1930s really? as well, um, which is That's really cute. cute. I, yeah, I really like that um uh what else was in there um so that part is where you see jessica rabbit for the first time and i imagine that was a revelation for many boys in the 80s (laughs) yeah i think so probably i was so jealous of the sparkly dress when i was a kid that's what i was focused on yeah it's very sparkly (laughs) it's so sparkly yeah she's um and there's, that's it. it's the part where there's the only song in the filming though we talk about soundtracks here because it's mostly because it's fun to insert them in the podcast yeah I'll probably put some ambient music in because it's good you know it's Alan Silvestri obviously it's good but yeah this is the part where I, I the thought only it, song it totally fits with the whole mood and vibe of the 40s or what you think of mm-hmm. as the dark dingy kind of scene you know, that kind of club jazzy yeah slow singer I thought that was really really good I liked it yeah um, they kind of put her up to be a bit like promiscuous 
Yeah. Well, she's a she's a tease, but like that's all part of the yeah, yeah. act. It is, it's very much a you can look where you can't touch. And yeah. gonna, she, she's not yeah. bad. She's just drawn that way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. Oh God, where from there? A lot think... happens is the thing. Like it's quite a short film, but so much happens to get from point A to point B, and it's not like it drags. But a lot does happen. Like so, someone else is murdered because they're coming close to finding out who it is mm. and they're trying to kill Eddie and there's this thing called the dip and we've talked mm. about it with the shoe already but like basically it's a, the only thing that can kill toons mm. which is technically not true because I mean the weasels died a different way are you poking plot are you poking holes in this plot <sighs> are you seriously <laughs> I'm just saying if you're going to put a big onus on the dip being the only thing that can kill toons and then you can make them like laugh Dive laughter do. yeah okay yeah no i to mean be fair. it doesn't I had... ruin the film but it's like um yeah it's I a had... weasel only thing i hadn't even thought of that though which is quite funny and um i like usually that... the... yeah we're switching rules today i like yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> i just i just took it at face value i was just like oh well that's fine i guess like they're <laughs> off to heaven now that's fine but like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and, but there was like there's um roger goes on in this spiel earlier on about how like toons just exist to make everyone laugh so why don't the inhabitants of toon town just all kill themselves by making each other laugh to death like yeah i think we're gonna fix the plot hole for them by saying it's a weasel only condition okay okay it's just the weasels Okay, but what like you... I, I like that, like his speech about laughter being the only weapon you have sometimes, because it's true. Yeah, it is true. Definitely. What do, What do you make of um, Judge Doom as a villain? So Christopher Lloyd. Oh, I didn't realize it's Christopher Lloyd until obviously like I grew up a bit, and then I'm like, mm. he's bloody terrifying. Mm. Apparently, Tim Curry was considered for it, but he was too scary. <laughs> And uh, Christopher Lee was considered for it, but he said no because he's no fun. Mm. Um, what did you think of Judge I, I I thought he was like perfectly cartoony. I like that it was really hammy and just like super villainous. And like, he was like a, he, a cartoony capitalist. It was funny. Yeah, even before it's kind of revealed that he is a tune. Like he's still giving you like. Car- like car- cartoony villain vibes for the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, he wants to build and- a freeway. Like his entire villainous plot is like not to take over the world or get money. It's to build a freeway. Yeah, yeah. Um... Over Toontown. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's a little bit of a weird, weird um, aim, I suppose. But um, no, I've I thought it was really, I really really like it as a character and as a villain. And it kind of, again, it plays off really really well against. Um, Eddie Valiant's kind of playing it straight and just grumpy and down to earth for the most part and then you've got this villain mm-hmm. who pretty much is there just to uh, really camp it up like I don't know I thought it was really really good um, oh definitely yeah he was great I really like just kind of skipping a forward a little bit as well I really like the way that they actually transition into Toontown when you've got um when you've got them going through the tunnel and then peering in the cartoon world on the other side and you go from uh, like the toons inhabiting to the, the real world to like a mm-hmm. real person inhabiting a cartoon environment. Yeah, I'm really glad they didn't try and like make him cartoony. 
Yeah, I am as well. I feel like, like that's people's go-to is like, oh, the cartoons come here, we have to make the weird CGI looking things. Oh, yeah. Hewing goes there, we have to make him into a cartoon. It's like, nah, just... Nah, yeah. Let him react in the environment, it's even funnier. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, all the little things like him being in the lift and being flattened like like a pancake <laughs> and all the, like, it's it's silly. Like, it's, he but takes it's a done, beating. It's done so well, though, like, which is what makes it funny like if it was crap like it wouldn't be funny but the way yeah. it's done is just it's it's so well for its age and there's sometimes i will say if you're watching it where the outlines of the characters go a bit weird like there's like a white outline around them mm. and i'm not like it doesn't ruin it at all but it's just like oh that's that white outline again and i think it's it's a difficult thing to do i mean even mm. now it's a difficult thing to do yeah, I mean, characters with things, but um, I was reading that um, every frame of the film featured a mixture of animation and no, sorry, every frame that did feature a mixture of animation and live action had to be printed up as a still photograph, um, and the animator had to draw the particular illustration for that frame on tracing paper on top of a photo, God, um, and then the, the outline drawing then had to be hand colored. And once that was done, the drawing then had to be composited back into the original frame using an optical printer. So this was a massive undertaking like it wasn't yeah, a big job it would have sucked to be like <laughs> in that crew yeah no for sure because the um the actual post... did you know that he's led to be um thumper's uncle <laughs> no sorry I, I was on wikipedia i was listening <laughs> but apparently he's the uncle of thumper from bambi oh i don't buy that <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's what <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure I buy that. That seems a bit... Do you reckon someone just put that in there and made it up? Yeah. Let me Google that properly. Where are you reading that? Where is that say that? Wikipedia. <laughs> I like that we're looking up the family free of fictitious rabbits. He is! He's mentioned as Robert Rabbit's uncle in one, one scene of the film. Right. Okay. That's wild! <laughs> I do like that... Um, we were looking to find out if that was true. No, wait. Thumper's... Th I've got that wrong. Thumper is Robert uh, Roger Rabbit's uncle. Oh, God. Wrong okay. way around. Thumper's the older one. Yeah, that would make more sense. Okay. What? <laughs> right, well, that aside... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, I just threw... No, no, I, like, I think... Um, how do you feel about the kind of the ending scene where they're at the the factory and you've got you've got Roger and Jessica tied up above the floor of of Dip and all that sort of stuff going on? How do you feel about that whole ending scene? It's a, it was a great climax, like and disturbing, very disturbing parts of it. And I really liked seeing them use the different cartoon weapons. I think it was my favorite part as a kid. I remember actually like really enjoying the cartoon weapons. They picked mm. up just a random thing to see what it does. Like, it's like he didn't know what he was doing. He was just picking up random boxes of the shit and hoping it worked. Um, yeah. But the steamrolling part is, like, <laughs> so disturbing. Like, yeah. what's your thoughts on the ending? I... Well, that scene, sorry. I mean, I quite like it for the most part. I feel like they... Ugh, I kind of feel like they ham it up a little bit. Like, you've got the... They're tied up and there's this gun firing dip towards them and it almost hits them like two or three different times and they like the guy um the guy eddie valiant stops it and like pushes it away but then it starts moving back towards them again and that happens a few times and i'm kind of thinking like why not just you know 
It's 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 not overly suspenseful, really. Like it's just it's just extending or preventing what you know is going to happen. Like it's very unlikely they're both gonna um, end up getting erased. And as much as I would have liked to, <laughs> I know. But when you're, I mean, for all that we're like, oh, this creepy blah blah blah. That is for I think a kid. I think I bought it when I was a child. Oh yeah, no, I think as a child you would totally buy it. Um, the steamroller bit is quite. I can see why that would creep some kids out as well, actually. Um, he blew himself back up with healing. Yeah, that's that was a bit uh, <laughs> creepy. Um, I like that that's the revelation that he's a tune, though, and it, it ties up a bunch of story threads, including, like, you know, okay, this is the guy that killed my brother as well. It annoys me, though, we never know what tune it is. Well, is it not him? Is it not Judge Doom? No, because he's wearing a rubber mask. That's why it's not all gone at the end oh right well see that's that that completely bypassed i only realized that just watching it (laughs) all right well at least it's uh... that's why they're like oh who was it and they're like oh we'll never know and then that's why they're like oh it wasn't a duck it wasn't a thing yeah you know it wasn't a duck wasn't a mouse wasn't a i do like as well that there was like this kind of um throwback again to uh, a reference about disappearing and reappearing ink which was i you you're led to believe is like a throwaway gag right at the start and then it comes back to mean something again right at the end if you've been paying attention mm-hmm. yeah there's, a lot, there's a lot of that going on for it yeah. throughout this um i like that roger doesn't can't like react to alcohol well when eddie's like <laughs> dependent on it like they're so opposite yeah that's a really good point um yeah no there's that as well um because like he does go through some good like you always have good character growth in good films and eddie pours away all the booze yeah get and and finds the ability to laugh again at tunes yeah i think which is very sweet I, there's a, there's a few other things that are kind of interesting about this as well um so overall it kind of is a surprisingly violent film in a in a weird way so as we said you've got the steamroller scene you've got there's people getting shot there's the shoe that's murdered there's see i don't think it's that surprising because if you think about it tom and jerry cartoons even are very violent well looney tune cartoons are super it's just they've changed yeah i suppose it's just in our time i think since the simpsons has been the most popular cartoon and stuff i think that's when it changed yeah i think so i think because even then you kind of need almost to to there needs to be a legitimate reason for that violence because I suppose back in the 90s and stuff as well, you've got like Ren and Stimpy and things like that. And like there's, if you're going to be violent now, you need a reason for it. So it's like, okay, it's our Halloween yeah. episode. Okay, that allows us to kill off half our characters or whatever. Yeah. But I think... It's like a tribute to the old cartoons. Yeah, because Tom, Tom from Tom and Jerry got killed quite a lot. There's quite a lot of episodes where he actually yeah. dies. So <laughs> it's... Yeah. But then as time went on, it got like... Now they're, they're kind of friends in the movies yeah. and they talk and stuff. And I'm like, Which oh, is a problem because hmm. they're not meant to be, <laughs> in no. my opinion anyway. Um, I like as well that, um, I think this is correct, but um, this is the first and so far only time that there have been Disney and Warner Brothers characters together on the same film. Um, yeah, I think for now. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's likely to change. But with Disney owning every bloody thing ever, like no doubt it'll become more it'll prob- Yeah, it'll probably change again at some point. But um But it's it's done in, like I like how the characters aren't too reverent either. Like they don't take like now you can't say a word against Mickey Mouse. Like I'll I'll tell you a story about Disneyland in a minute, mm. but like the scene where um Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse are skydiving and they meet Eddie who's falling out of a building mm. and they give him a tire. 
what a pair of assholes. Yeah. Mickey Mouse was a fucking asshole. Yeah. And you couldn't do that now because they take him way too seriously because, you know, Walt needs them. Yeah. Um, Mickey, Mickey Mouse has kind of developed into the perennial good guy. Like, he's just, like, always wholesome and just even... Yeah, but he wasn't originally like that. No. Um, definitely not. Uh, so we went to Disneyland right. when I was 15. And we were like, right, Goofy's a dog and Pluto's a dog. Mm-hmm. Why can't Pluto talk? Mm-hmm. So we thought we'd ask the Disney cast, you know, the people who work there, <laughs> why that is. Okay. And they were so offended. <laughs> the, the answer we got, and I quote, I say we, my aunt asked, Walt wanted it that way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like, bloody hell. Right. They take them so seriously. It's like they're bloody cartoons. They're meant to be silly and violent. Yeah. Um. And now you you can't. I don't know. It's like it's a cartoon. <laughs> I don't know. Like it might be. It might not be that they were like that. It might be that you know you'll you're always gonna get smart arses that are like I'm gonna go and ask them that. They maybe get asked that like twenty times a day. I but... know, but not like it's the six year old. I think it was like. Yeah. <laughs> it was with her in the ass. Yeah. And she had a Pluto hat on. All right. <laughs> well. They just take, they're just like very sanctimonious over their characters. They protect them with everything they have. It's like, that's so silly. They're cartoons. Yeah, you would think they could be a little bit more um, lighthearted about it. Apparently not. Disney just aren't lighthearted at all for all that they're like families. Like, did you hear about the animators who did a, <laughs> the animators in the studio, because it was like a men's club, the studio right. for a while. And they animated uh, Mickey and Minnie fucking. I have heard something about this. And Walt pretended to laugh and then he fired them. (laughs) (laughs) It was just for a staff party. Yeah. Okay. Well. It's like aggressively family friendly. They're like, like it's it's not family friendly anymore if you're that aggressive with it. No, I guess not. But then I suppose like, ugh, I don't know. There, there's the, this is the 1950s like, like no one's gonna leak stuff yeah they don't have the internet to... i suppose it's about like protecting the integrity of your brand and you need to lay down the law quite early on otherwise people will i know but i feel like so many brands have gotten away with not doing that mm. and like the, it shows in this when they're kind of showing mickey mouse to be a bit of an arse yeah it was funny i like that he didn't like get um a ridiculous amount of time though and like i mean it was yeah. it was cool seeing the disney and warner brothers characters together but i like that they're not really a predominant part of it like they are just there to kind of i suppose solidify the fact that toontown is its own separate thing and that all of these characters exist in the same space essentially but they're not they're not part of the story really they just happen to be there and they don't add a huge amount except for the fact that we know who they are um, but mm. I thought that was really quite cool. Um, did you read an awful lot into the... Um, th- there's a couple of arguments that suggest that the film is an allegory for um, the state of sort of the, the racial state of America in the 40s. So the tunes essentially oh, are really? representative of, of black people because you've got a class that are just there to perform and otherwise are seen as like an annoyance and below you by many of the the human characters um and if you're not there to entertain then you're kind of you're just an irritation and you're not really of much use did you read that matching up or don't really i didn't read that at all to be honest no. like i would argue that's 
like maybe even an offensive reading like i i could i saw that after i read about it but i didn't see that while i was watching it no i don't think that was the intention at all because i feel like if you did do that as an allegory that could be a potentially offensive one because you're saying they're cartoons i don't know yeah i don't know if i like that i don't think there Uh, is even any black people in this film no no no, it's a Hollywood, sleazy Hollywood 1940s thing. Of course there no. weren't, because if they were, it would be a horrible <laughs> thing to portray. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't read that. I, I did read a little bit there about the book, and the book is grim. Oh dear. I'm surprised Disney bought the rights. Go on, like, you, you might know more than me then. I haven't looked into the book an awful lot. Well, it features... Uh, Ro- Roger Rabbit sounds terrifying because he's six foot tall. Oh no, I didn't um, know about that. Yeah, no, that sounds absolutely horrific jessica rabbit's his ex-wife right eddie valiant finds roger roger rabbit's dead corpse lying over the banister (laughs) yeah uh is his doppelganger they're helping yeah this already sounds like why would disney buy this but yeah i'm like "Eh?" i guess it's (laughs) what i guess it's good they they did i mean it's good they like the team who've done it like i will i'm not gonna give disney the credit for this because they tried to ruin it by making it more kid friendly mm. steven spielberg and zemeckis are such a good team together yeah like they make gold well a, a lot of this ended up happening because steven spielberg called in favors so like yeah. that's that's passion projects yeah were always... how they got a lot of the characters and stuff so yeah it's um no i it, you can tell it's like if disney had their way this would be crap yeah like i think they would totally ruin it yeah well, wouldn't be the first time because they can't. They can't take again. They can't joke about their characters. No, definitely. And not. I think they tried to change things, but because Spielberg had final say, he's like, nah, nah, <sighs> suck it. Wouldn't be surprised. Would you? Would you recommend this to to people at this point? Oh, definitely. Like it, it's as we said, it's aged so well, and it's because they very cleverly said it within a time period, like the nineteen forties. It's not meant to be modern day. And the characters are all kind of old and they are dated, but it works in the context of the film because it's like a PI film. It's like a, a film noir. Mm-hmm. And the characters they've chosen all work in there, even though it sounds weird to say that, that like Mickey and Donald and stuff fit in there, but they don't show them too much. And they have like their wee um, accents are really funny. Like the taxi being a Brooklyn. cabbie yeah. from New York. <laughs> and and the baby yeah. <laughs> calling someone toots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like there, yeah, there's a lot of little fun bits like that. I think yeah. if you're, it's wonderfully bizarre. It is like if you're interested in animated films at all, I think it's kind of something you need to see because there's so many films in recent years, mostly CGI ones to be fair, but like that have tried to blend animation and live action together. That just Space Jam coming up next oh, looks like they've done it badly. Oh we'll have to watch that. Yeah, that just haven't done Sequel. it particularly well. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's it's just a good example of doing it right, and um, that's that really timelessly as well. Not just like right, like timelessly. Yeah, they've made it so that you could watch this four years after, I, and it still stands. I up. can see why some people wouldn't like some of the jokes and stuff, but I think there's something to be said as well for you know just having a bit of a sense of humor and just having a bit of a laugh at it for what it is well they've done a good job of not being like there's nothing wildly offensive in here and they could have done because it's set in the 1940s yeah i don't think there is anything wildly offensive i think if there's nothing i was like you know because sometimes you do watch 
a film that's meant to be set back then you're like oh god I don't know if you should have done that even though it's meant to be set in a time period it's like oh maybe don't but this one there was nothing like oh cringe no like like even the bits were were a bit more risque it's still like super cartoony and it's like Mm -hmm. you know what I think it can get away with it because of that yeah Jessica Rabbit's like boobs sometimes are a bit (laughs) well I I was thinking the bit where um there's I can't remember if it's a shoot up or something that's going on in the bar and Eddie Valiant grabs the woman by by the top of her like boobs and pulls her down by in the bar (laughs) and it's sort of like that's not how people interact which is why that's funny like it's not it's not funny because oh he grabbed her tits it's funny because that's not you know normal and it's done in such yeah, a cartoony yeah, yeah. way that like yeah. it's it's kind of like the tunes influencing his behavior to a huge extent like he's been around them enough and that's kind of he's far enough in his transition towards not hating them as much by that point that there's some kind of influence going on on his personality and stuff towards them so it's mm-hmm. kind of that cartoonishness rubbing off on him to a huge oh, extent it's good, yeah because you, you can see that as a hint instead of him going from like hating them to like making a song about to make people laugh sorry yeah yeah there's like a transition and you can see it totally but yeah i i think it's really worth a lot a watch i i really liked it and um it's genuinely funny at points it's uh definitely something that you have to see if you've not seen it i think Mm -hmm. definitely so on that note next week uh we'll be going back to the early 2000s and we'll be discussing Shrek which spoiler I guess I absolutely despised as a child Um, so (laughs) it will be interesting to see how things have changed since then Um, but yeah uh, join us next time for Shrek and we'll uh, see you then